Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have to study your word tonight. We are looking up to you to enable us and to help us to understand what the word of God is saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are studying a very important topic, uh, very key to our Christian work, especially in these last days. We need to pay attention to these teachings because they are very useful to navigate us through what the world is turning to, the scripture says will happen, and it's happening right before our eyes. It will be very difficult to be a Christian. So today we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our spiritual growth part five, walking with God, walking in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I think this topic came because in my own personal life, I've recently been really personally desiring to walk very, very closely with God. It has come into my prayer topic in my personal life and desire very strong. So I'm not surprised that we are all looking at this together. So walking with God is what we want to focus on in how we grow as spirit Christians and how we are strong as we walk closely with the Holy Spirit. We mentioned some of these things before, but it's good that we keep on teaching it because this is really very important in our lives. Our text comes from James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So my job is draw near to him and then he will draw near to me. Quit means there's a gap that needs to be closed. He said, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, the problem here is lack of faith. They're double-minded. Double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. We were talking about repentance last time. It's important that we take repentance seriously. If you don't take repentance seriously, you're not likely to change if, if, if you're very laxadical about something, how do, you, how, do you, how do you really desire change? Change comes if, if you really begin to, you know, hate that thing so to the extent that you don't want it. When from your heart, bottom of your heart, you're, you're beginning to reject that thing. You, you, you feel so bad that you're engaging in stuff like this. That's when the real desire to abandon that thing comes. If it is, you know, glossing over it, and it doesn't really touch your heart, then you're not likely to make any changes at all. You, you can accommodate it. You, as long as people don't know, you, you can keep on accommodating it. But the very day you... Feel, begin to feel this is not, it shouldn't be. And then you begin to feel really, really sorrowful and feel bad about it. And you begin to really put that in, in the realm of what you don't like. You find that there's an internal motivation that comes with that kind of attitude for you to really do away with that. So here the scripture is telling us that we should mourn for this. It should bring us sorrow. The sorrow that will motivate our hearts to reject those things and be sincere and serious about rejecting them. Because sometimes they latch onto us and it's a struggle. So we, we said we need to understand that the Holy Spirit can only have the opportunity to work in our lives if we draw in close fellowship with him. If we choose to work with the world, we have not given him the opportunity to do his work in our lives. If we choose to walk away from him, not to cooperate with him, there's nothing he can do. So we see in scripture that people who walk with the Holy Spirit intimately stood out in their time. 
they stood out in their time because he was able to do what no man can do in their lives. He was able to put them at the pedestal where nobody could put them. They couldn't even put themselves. They were very outstanding people in their generation. And surprisingly, there were not many people like that. And so even in this world in which we live, if you want really to walk close with the Holy Spirit, you, you might be very, very prepared to be a loner. You may not have many friends. You may not have many friends. Because we haven't seen a lot of people in these generations that the Holy Spirit pointed to us. A few of them, a couple of them. So we need to look at them now. Um, Enoch. I don't know how to pronounce the word. They call it Enoch. Enoch or Enoch, whatever. Enoch, E-N-O-C-K. Enoch. Well, from Nigeria, we call it Enoch. But in America, they call it Enoch. So Genesis 5.22, after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God, in close fellowship with God. Brethren, listen to this. For another 300 years, man, somebody was able to live in constant fellowship with God for 300 years, another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. And Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared, God, because God just took him. It's a first demonstration of the rapture, just took him. 365 years, somebody walked in close fellowship with God. They look at Noah, Genesis 6, 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Look at that. Minority. Minority living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. So you see, when people walk in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he brings them to that place of life where it's unique. Very, very unique. He brings out the best in them. Our Lord Jesus Christ told us in John chapter 8, verse 29, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. See, he was walking in very close fellowship with the Father. Now, why do we need this? It's because the Holy Spirit is here to teach you every truth that you should know that is in Christ Jesus and to lead you daily in the path of that truth. He's the only one who can reveal the truth in Christ to us so that we grow in our knowledge of Christ and so that our faith in him is rooted and grounded. So John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's the only one. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So you want to hear him. You want to hear him. Romans 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we need to understand that we need the Holy Spirit to teach us, reveal Christ to us, reveal the truth in Christ to us, and not only that, but leads us into that truth to have an inspirational knowledge of those things. To live as children of God, because those things that Christ gave us is what we need to live the life that God planned for us. And the Holy Spirit reveals this to us and helps us by not just teaching us, but he leads us and guides us into the realities of those things. So we have experience, not just knowledge, not loading with information, but it becomes experience 
things that become what we see, what others see. Now remember that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when you come under his ministry, you are done with the ministry of Moses. You can't be in both at the same time. Jesus didn't come to superintend over Moses' ministry or his laws. No. The scripture teaches us that Jesus is the end of the law. When he came, the law ended. The ministry of Moses ended. Totally ended. And so the Holy Spirit is not here to teach us about Moses and his stuff. He's here, like the scripture says, to teach us about Christ, a new dispensation, a new time, a new testament. So you cannot be under his teaching and guidance and again revert again to the teachings and guidance and the ministry of Moses. The two methods are not the same. One is works, one is grace. One is what men do, the other one is what God does for us. So once you want to be under his ministry, understand very well and make up your mind that you cannot mix old cloth and new. You cannot put a new wine in old wineskin. Jesus was telling them that you don't do that. He was teaching them, they were asking about fasting, about John the Baptist. He was trying to show them that, listen, this is a new dispensation. You can't mix both of them. So Galatians 5.18, but if you are laid of the Spirit, if he's leading you into the experience of what Christ died to give you, then you, you just don't have any business with, to do with the ministry of Moses. All those things prescribed under the ministry of Moses, you don't need them anymore. And so he said, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. When he walks up, talks about the law, he's talking about a dispensational period that in which the law was the key thing. The key means of guidance was the law. But under the New Testament, the key guidance is by the Spirit of God. Now, you cannot compare the Holy Spirit with written codes. There's no, there's no, it doesn't come close. Written code is letters. The Spirit of God is God himself. So when God shows up, written code just goes away. So now our guide is the Holy Spirit. Guides us into all truth, and this truth is in Christ. So now, if you want to be led of the Spirit of God, you must understand that he's going to lead you, not to the law, he's going to lead you to Christ and, and begin to take of the things of Christ and give to you. That's what he does, Romans 7, 6. But now we have been released from the law. Brethren, we've been released from the law. Don't go back there. For we die to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letters of the law, see what we're saying, but in the new way of living in the spirit now. So the Holy Spirit has come taken over. So we live by his guidance, by his empowerment, by the revelation he gives us. We don't depend on the law no more. Under the law, there was no solution to sin. Sin was reigning. We didn't have any answer, we didn't have any power in us to be able to resist the power of the flesh until Christ came. The Bible said that what the law could not do, which is to make man righteous, Christ was able to do. And to condemn sin in the flesh, the power of sin infused power in us so we can say no to the flesh. Before then, we were, the Bible described us as slaves to sin. So you really want to be under this ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is more powerful, more, more glorious, and more useful to you. Now, why do we need this close fellowship with the Holy Spirit? He wants, you want him to reveal to you everything that has been freely given to you. And we do forget them. So he teaches us and reminds us and reveals them to us. Again, like I say, those are the things you should be going, you should be focusing on and going for, not Ten Commandments. Focus on this and be going for it. Now, it says, 1 Corinthians 2.12, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us, so we know them. Now, there's a difference between talking about them and knowing them. 
This type of knowing is intimacy that's experiential. You can, you can be talking about Christ brought us healing, but you may not know it. There's a difference between knowing and talking and hearing. There's a lot of difference. You can talk about something you really do not know yet. Can't even preach about it. The intimacy, the knowledge that the scripture brings, this example he gives us with husband and wife, knowing. He says the man knows the wife. That's an intimate knowing that is exclusive, and that's what produces fruit, that kind of intimate knowing. You, you can't say you know your wife when you, you haven't even married her, and you, you don't really know her to start living with her, then this type of intimacy that produces fruit takes place in an exclusive intimacy that a husband and wife have. That's what the word knowing means. When you, your spirit begins to have serious intimacy with the truth in what God is saying, that it becomes like real substance of things not seen. It becomes real that you can say, yeah, I can see it. Then you believe it and see it work. Then you can say, yes, I know it now. So he's here to bring us into intimacy with these things that are freely given to us so that we can have an experiential knowledge of them. Now, remember that nothing happens that is not by him. That's why we need him. That's why we need this close intimacy with him. Zechariah 4, 6 says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, brethren, nor by power, but by my spirit. Nothing happens except by the spirit of God. Remember that when God created the world, the spirit of God was there waiting for the word of God to come. The moment God spoke it, he performed it. So he performs the word of God that we believe for us. So if you exclude him, there's no way anything happens. Because God told us, it's not by power, not by your might and struggle, it's by my spirit. The songwriter, the songwriter said it properly. He said, I need thee every hour. And that's true. Need thee every hour. It's been a very hunger of my heart. Seriously. So I realized that when he does something, that's, that's it. It can be better. It can be better. You don't have to waste your life doing things that really don't, don't mean much. When you have somebody who can do it and do it better and well and the last. Now, there are things we need to note about working with the Holy Spirit. You know, everything about God is supernatural. Everything about God is supernatural. But not everything is um, spectacular. It's to be regretted that we have had this, this uh, mindset, this paradigm that once it's God, it has to be spectacular. And then if we're not seeing the spectacular thing, we think God is not there, but that's not true. There's not one single scripture that underlines that, not one. But we have grown up with that because of lack of knowledge of God. So, um, if, if you want to show somebody that the Holy Spirit is working with me, we try to act in a way that reveals spectacular aspect of it. So sometimes somebody wants to, to show that God is speaking through me, he changes his voice. Instead of talking normally, he begins to change his voice, squeaking sometimes like a, an animal, just trying to show this is God. It doesn't have to be so. It doesn't have to be so, to be honest with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ had the spirit without measure, but brethren, he lived a regular, normal life. He was not able to relate with fishermen. He was able to sit with them, 
was able to eat with them, was able to eat with tax collectors. He never walked in and they got frightened. He never did something out there. No. He, he, was, he was just living a normal realm. He came down to our level. And so he being our example, shouldn't we really learn from him? And he had the spirit without measure. Look at John 3, 34. For he whom God has sent, speaketh the words of God, for God give, giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. He had the spirit limitless, but he lived a regular life. Talk to his mom, talk to his brethren, talk to his people, talk to people, walk with them, cried, wept, you know. He lived a regular life. But what the spirit was doing through him was what people were seeing. Extraordinary life he lived. So there's no need to impress people or try to act funny because you are working with the Holy Spirit. We should do away with these things. It's not Bible. It's flesh, really. It's not the Holy Spirit. And so you, you don't have to do anything to impress people that you are working with the Holy Spirit. They say, you know, this world, you know, um, being in the Spirit has been so messed up. People do a lot of things in the Spirit. Well, we walk in love towards all men. I don't know everything, so by the grace of God, we'll be growing. But I don't see the scripture underlying some of the things I see people do, and they call it uh, having the spirit. Look at Proverbs 27, two, for instance. Let another man praise you, and not thy own mouth, a stranger, not thy own lips. If, if the spirit of God is working in you, you don't have to let people know. We're talking about God told me, God told me, God told me. It doesn't, it, it doesn't help anybody. If he's working in you, people will know. People will know. You can't hide light. You can't hide him. He does things unusual. Look at the testimony of these people we read about. You don't have to you know, try to impress people so they know the Spirit of God. No, 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 that's flesh. God told me, God told me, and they run all over the place. You really put people off. You mostly you put people off. And sometimes people become relational disaster. They can't relate with people because they think it's the Holy Spirit can't relate with their husbands, can't relate with their wives, can't relate with their children. I mean, the Spirit, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants you to get married, wants you to love your wife, wants you to be intimate. Actually, he told us that, hey, if you want to fast, he said, don't fast too long. Come back and together with your, with your wife. That's what he wants. He wants us to be regular people. And you know, something he teaches us there, he says, hey, if you fast too much, the devil will tempt you in the middle of your fasting. What is he showing us? <laughs> All those things we do, punish ourselves, doesn't stop the devil from tempting you. He says, hey, hey, come back quickly. If you don't, the devil will tempt you. And because of your incontinency, we make, mess you up. In the middle of fasting, read your Bible. That's what he said. And he wrote it right there. So he wants us to be regular people and do regular things. In the midst of that, he uses it to glorify Christ. Uses regular things to glorify Christ. People see his presence in all these things. So there's no need to act funny. Talk to people. No, no. The Bible said, let another praise you now and not thy own mouth. Now let's look, see an example of people. We want to take away these things, misnomers that people carry around and it quenches the spirit. It doesn't allow them really to walk with the spirit of God. Now let's see people who walk with the Holy Spirit and what revealed that work. And that's what we, we'll be looking at in our own lives. What reveals that work? Enoch stood out because he was walking with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the generation in which Enoch, I'm having a problem pronouncing this word, in which Enoch lived. In his days, people were godless, just like today. So godless in his time. I'm telling you, if you walk with him, you are going to be really a loader. You are likely to end up not having too many friends. They will leave you. I'm telling you. <laughs> you are not going to be a man about town. They will leave you. So here we are, Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. 
That's God's testimony of the earth. Great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Continually. Continually. This is the generation where Enoch lived. But let's see his testimony now. Let's go back and read his testimony in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 5, 22. Remember, we read this one in Genesis 5. In Genesis 6, 5. But let's look at Genesis 5, where we talked about Enoch, 5, 22. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years in the midst of these people who are continually evil. The Holy Spirit kept him. The Holy Spirit produced something extraordinary, not common, typical of what it does. In the midst of this evil generation, here was a man that was close to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit kept him apart for glory. I'm sure he wasn't very popular. Look at another testimony about him. Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Why? Because he walked in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit who directed all his life. You can't walk with him and not please God. In the multitude of people like today. Brethren, like today. Like today. Many people are compromising. Just, just walk. Their heart is everywhere. And they're comfortable because the world will praise them, accept them. If the world is praising you, that, does that show you there's something wrong? Their God is not God. The God of this world is the devil. This man stood alone in a world continually evil. And God says, he pleases me. By faith, he trusted my spirit. He put his confidence in my spirit. No law, just trusted my spirit. And the spirit of God did what no man could do in his life. Let's look at Noah, 2 Peter 2, verse 5. And God did not spare the ancient world. Now, Peter was talking about, you know, trying to warn the church about backsliding, showing them that in the previous times, God has always judged iniquity. Even angels that sinned. So that they don't backslide, because the church was going through severe persecution at the time. So here Peter was writing in 2 Peter 2.5, and God did not spare this ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah won the word of God's just, righteous judgment. Again, did you think Noah was popular? I'm not sure it was. Look, if you want to follow Christ, give up on your popularity ambition. Be, Im be immunized against human praise. Jesus said, I don't, I don't care about human praise. You've got to get immune to human praise because you won't get a lot of it. Jesus said, I care only for one thing, the approval and praise of God. Listen, brethren, in this last day, if you want to be a Christian, you've got to know these things. So if you don't get those praise from your relations and then they call you names, you go to church all the time, you carry Bible all the time, you just laugh and smile. It is Saturday. You are, going, you are not going to be the last one. No, you won't be the last. It has always, it has always been so. And so here is Noah, warned the word of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Verse 6, later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah who were involved in um, homosexuality. 
was their problem. They were involved in, in this perverse thing. We live in a time where churches can't have the courage to stand on the word of God. Again, because of persecution. I'd say you've got to be prepared. If they take your life, so be, go home, be with Jesus, forget about it. Yeah. So God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Sodom, Sodomy. That's where these things come from. Sodom and Gomorrah, and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Peter is writing and telling the church, this is what God has done before. So don't you backslide, because you get into the same situation. Seven, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom, because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. The, the, do you find many in church who are sick of all this terrible bestiality going on? Or do you find Christians who are really supporting it? Who are in favor of it? You want to know what spirit will support what God calls iniquity, what God destroys people for? Let's, let's read about Lot, verse 8. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and had day after day. Brethren, we talk of repentance. And you haven't gotten to the level where that thing does, does not torment your soul that this is not right. I don't think you are going to change. As long as you still have a leeway and find a comfortable grocery, you forget it quickly and get back to it. This man's soul was tormented. Tormented. Would you think that Lord will come and support it and say, it's okay, don't worry about it because you're avoiding persecution? Do you think Lord will come out and support it? It doesn't matter, Pastor. It doesn't matter. We're talking of walking closely with the holy God whose eyes does not behold iniquity. And so walking with, we see now the life of these people who walked with the Holy Spirit, regular but totally special, outstanding. So it doesn't mean all this, you know, giving prophecies all over the place. The primary thing that we notice here is that their life was distinguished from the iniquities around them. They couldn't fit in. You couldn't match them in. You, you could tell them apart because they were being laid in close fellowship with the spirit of the living God. Their life was totally distinguishable. Their words were totally distinguishable. You didn't have to ask twice. This one preached righteousness to his people. You didn't have to act twice. It's not by changing your voice. <laughs> no. Our Lord Jesus told us that that is how you know those who are in close relationship with him, that their life is totally different. And that's the key thing he gives us when we walk in close fellowship with him. That's why we should, we should desire it. So he will make us special, make us this thing that Christ died, the life he tried, he tried to give us, he will work it out. That life is not common. It's not the life of the world.
Matthew 7, 16. You can identify them by their fruit. That's our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed Son of God, the Lord himself. To him be all the glory forever. This is his voice, our master, the head of the church, whom we worship and we love him. This is our Lord, his voice to his church. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. We saw Noah, we saw Enoch, we saw Lot. By the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. Now let's look at Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God who didn't need to introduce himself. Again, he was distinguished by his life. And this Elijah walked in close fellowship with the Spirit of God. Look at 2 Kings 4.8. One day, Elijah, 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 sorry, Elijah went to the town of Shunem. A widow woman lived there, and she always seemed to come to, to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he will stop there for something to eat. Who wouldn't stop? <laughs> Come in the house on food. Elisha had good meal, man. Very good meal. Real good meal. Draw soup. That, you know. So the scripture says, every time he's not passing, he will stop by. <laughs> I will stop by. He will stop by. Normal. He will stop by. So after that, whenever he's passed that way, he will stop by for something to eat. Verse 9, she said to her husband, listen to this thing, brethren. By their fruits you should know. He said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. You, will, you see it. When the Holy Spirit is doing something, it's there. You will know it. You will see it. You will know it. You don't have to advertise it. Because he's producing something no man can produce. His works are extraordinary. This woman said to the husband, this man that comes to eat here, it's a holy man of God. Jesus said, by their fruits, shall know them. Once he said it's finished, you can be arguing and don't want to laugh. It's finished. That's it. He said, don't pick figs from another type of food. And they have power with God and man. When you walk in close fellowship, that's why we desire this thing. Walk in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You have power with God and man. Why? Because, you see, when you're walking in fellowship with him, he's directing you. So your actions will always be have power. Your words will have power because you don't speak like people. You speak by him. You speak by him. Because you're walking, to walk in fellowship with him is that he's guiding you now. You're in the right direction. You are following. So 1 Kings 18, 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah now, the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. And listen to this, that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. I don't, I don't, I don't do things on my own. I am in close fellowship with you. You guide, you instruct. I'm your servant. What you instruct is what I do. Because if you don't want to, if you can't be in, in, we can't be in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit unless we agree with him. For two cannot work together. And to agree with him is that he is the one leading. He can't follow you. So but let's look at this life of um, let's look at the life of uh, 
or Elisha. You know, we read about Elisha, that this woman said, is a holy man of God. I remember that Elisha was trained by Elijah. So he learned this thing from Elijah. Now, 2 Kings 4.11. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to his upper room to rest. He said to his servant, that, that woman, where he eats, said to his servant, Gehazi, a third woman of Shunem. I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind, of, the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? What? <laughs> what can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son. And Elijah didn't say to Gehazi, let us pray. Nope. No. They have power with God because they're always directed by God. His master, Elijah, said, I do all this by your word. Elisha learned it for him. Verse 15, call her back. Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, on the doorway, he hasn't entered the room. Next year at, at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms, case closed. Why did Elisha get the boldness to be sent? He said, I want to do something. He didn't say, God, he said, I want to do something for you. Come. You, you must have intimacy with God to speak on his behalf like this. You must know. You, 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 must, have, you, you, you must have this, this connection that you, he tells you something you don't tell people. You say it. His master said, let it be known that I've done these things at thy word. Elisha learned it. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit, you don't, it's amazing. It's something every Christian should hunger for, brethren. I want to ask you a question. Do you know anything more precious to you in life than the Spirit of God? Do you know anything that should be your treasure in this life than God, his Spirit, and the Son of God? Do you know anything? Do you know anything? Is it your money, your job? Do you know anything? Where are your treasure is. That's where your whole heart should be. We have too many treasures. And they are not treasures. They are distractions. This will call for fast praying and fasting, no? The Bible says those who know their God, they shall be strong. They do exploit. Here is one. Some other place said, I stand before God. I know before. Paul said, I know, before. I know in whom I believe. I stand. He's with me. He has not left me. He said, everybody left Paul. Paul said, it doesn't mean anything. He's with me. He will deliver me. He will continue to deliver me. He is with me. You know, somebody would have been stewing and say, hey, and they call themselves Christians. And they abandoned me. Paul didn't have time for all of that. Because this, that was on his treasure. Christ was his all and all. He had him. That was it. He said, he is my life, my everything. He said, he's with me. He will deliver me. He will yet deliver me. These ones don't deliver. They don't deliver. They don't. If they are with you, what would they do? <laughs> what, would they, what would they do? They can't go. Nothing should be your treasure except God himself. Nothing. You don't have any other treasure. On this earth, David said, who do I have on earth but you? Who? I look up unto the hills from whence cometh my heart. 
not from man, not from my job, not from your wife, not from your husband, not from your children, not from anywhere, not from anything, not from anything, not from anything, but from God who made heaven and earth. Shouldn't you want intimacy with his spirit? When he guides you, says no, nobody can say no. Nobody. No government, no authority, no power. No power. No. Hey, he said to Jacob, pack your things and leave. I'm sending you. When he got there, he ran into a lot of fear and trouble. He said to Jacob, don't worry about them. The Bible said nobody could lift his hand against that man because God was sitting. Nobody. Even when his own children massacred the whole nation, he said, you people have put me in trouble. The Bible said nobody could lift his hand. The almighty God was with him and said, you don't touch this man. You don't. Shouldn't we desire Will your job give you that? <laughs> your husband will give you that. Isn't it when we have intimacy with him, he will give you a life, give you the life that will love your wife and husband, all coming from him, all coming from him, the love from him. He produces the life that your wife and husband will see and say, whoa, whoa. Whoa. People in your job will sit. When you talk, it's different. His wisdom is unmatched. I mean, I feel like worshiping him. It's unmatched. In the midst of trials, he will keep you. He will keep you. He will speak to you. He will tell you I'm with you. David said, even if I pass through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Is that what, isn't it what a Christian should crave for? Why do we crave all these things from television? <laughs> what less stuff? Why? And let me bring it to us that to walk in fellowship with him is impossible, really. Only him can keep you in tandem with him. Only him. Again, God says it's not by power, not by my, but by my spirit. Everything happens. And so that calls for prayer. If it's your heart, it should be your prayer list. Number one. I say to the Lord, Lord, I need to come closer to you. I need to see your blood. I need to know you more. I'm not where I should be with you. I want communion, that's deeper communion with you. Comes in your prayer. Because it's important to you. First Peter 1 5 who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept by the power of God, kept by him. No, nothing happens without him. We are kept by him through faith, trusting him, trusting him. Uh, our, that will drive us to, to pray. He's a greater treasure than all these prayer topics we raise all over the place. Hebrew 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him now. For he who comes to God must, must believe that he is. And that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. You seek him, he rewards you. You seek his closeness, you seek, you draw close, you want it, he rewards you with it. You start walking closer with him. And so that's where the prayer of consecration comes in. I don't know how many of us took those teachings seriously. But prayer of consecration is very, very important if you want to have 
a close fellowship with the, with the Holy Spirit. Paul began to pray about it in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Lord, Second Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. He saw the importance. He was praying it over the church. When you come to church and these prayers of consecration are being prayed over you, cue in it. Get involved. Why rushing out to what are you going to do? Get involved. Something important is being pronounced. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. What are we praying, Paul? We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. This is a prayer of consecration. That one can pray for himself, pray for your children, pray for your family. If you are leading a church group, if you're a pastor, you pray to over the church. This is a very important prayer. The Holy Spirit put it in the, in the, in the Bible for us. Remember, his word is guide unto our path, lamp unto our feet and guide unto our path. This is teaching us how to pray. This is it. Prayer of consecration. So that you remain in close fellowship with him. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. He said, when you receive this, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your life will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Look at another one. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Powerful. Powerful. May the Lord direct your heart to the love of God. Because our heart is all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. And because it's all over the place. When somebody does something, you get angry. That is your treasure, wasting your time. You spent hours talking about it. Hours talking about it. You won't be talking to them anymore. Your heart needs to be devoted to Christ alone. Take it away from them. Give it to him. He will fill you with love for everyone. All that thing they said, I used to be sleepless before. I wouldn't even bother about it. It would mean nothing because it's not a treasure to you. You find the only treasure. You call your friends to celebrate. I find Jesus. He's my all and all. They take your shoe, you give them the remaining one. Because that shoe is not worth anything compared to him. May the Lord direct your heart to the love of God. Powerful prayer. And to the steadfastness of Christ so that you remain steady in your walk with the Spirit of God. Some scripture, some translation said to the patience of Christ. Because trials will come. Temptations will come to pull you away. Distractions will try to come. But the Lord keeps you in the steadfastness of walking with him that comes from Jesus, comes from his spirit. And you need to be sure that you are not following the devil, though, because that's counterfeit. 2 Corinthians 11, 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Did you see that? <laughs> deceitful workers, they transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, 
For Satan himself, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, he has ministers too, also be transformed into the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Brethren, they are here in this world, ministers of Satan, marauding as ministers of light. The Holy Spirit told us so. If you don't know what the truth is, they will deceive you because they look like ministers of the gospel, carry the same Bible, sing the same songs. Anyone that is walking in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we have fellowship with the church of Jesus Christ, where Jesus is being lifted up because the Holy Spirit came to reveal him you should know, when you enter a place where the Christ is not the subject, it's not being revealed, you want to think twice. Because the Holy Spirit came to reveal Christ, not to tell stories. Came to give you the treasure of heaven in Christ, to reveal what you have in him. If you are there and that's what they're teaching you, then that's him. Because that is what will make you live the life that God planned for you before. So, Anybody who's in close fellowship with him, walking by the Spirit of God, is going to be in fellowship with the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you begin to walk with the world, you find yourself distancing yourself from the church and hating the church. You'll be hating Christ and his body because a new spirit, a strange spirit, is controlling you. A spirit that hates God. That's absolute truth. Let's read scripture. 1 John 2, 18. Dear friend, children, the last hour is here. So it's right here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And already may many such, many such Antichrists have appeared. For from this we know that the last hour is come. The last days are here. These people left our churches have you seen that? They don't want to hear the truth. They may still be in the church, but they have left already because their mind is out. They may be coming once in a while. If you're a pastor, stay strong in the message. Don't worry about what people do. You're only accountable to God who called you. Stay strong in the message. Love everybody, but don't let anybody sway you Emotionally distract you. It's a waste of time. Verse 19, 1 John 2, 19. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. That's why. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. They used to be enthusiastic. They used to be part of the fellowship. They are not in anything again. They are, they are not in trade. They have left. They have left. The spirit of the last days has swept them. They have left. The Holy Spirit said they don't belong there. That's why they did that. Don't kill yourself over it. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. There's no minute, no minute, he's not serving anyone, he's not interested in anything. <laughs> he comes where he lies, goes where he lies. He's not there. He's not just in fellowship. Verse 20, but you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit and all of you know the truth. That's why you're not like them. That's why you are in fellowship. You are active. You are involved. You love Christ. You love his body. You, man, you love his body. 1 John 1, 7. But if you are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. When we don't have fellowship with each other, you are not living in the light. That's why. You are living in a strange world. That's why there is no fellowship. That's why you drag, you do gragara for God, big man for God. You think you're doing him a favor. The day you come, the day you don't come. Do what you like. Just do what you like. 
You really have no pastor anymore because you, you are just your own boss. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. My time is up. Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you for the word you brought us this evening, seeking intimacy with your spirit so that he can produce the, the best in us, bring us, bring the excellent life that Christ died to give us so that we will live unto all pleasing. Pray that you help us to understand these things so that our desires will change. So you direct our heart towards a strong desire to be in intimate relationship with your spirit so that we find God as our only treasure on earth. For where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.